Life's too short. Life's too damn short. So eat everything. Try anything. Exercise. Experience all that life has to offer. Here's exercise physiologist, medical journalist, and healthy talk host, Melanie Cole, MS. Well, you know, some people say, oh, I'm going to catch up on my sleep, or they want to catch up on something, or I'm going to save my calories for later. But can you fill a fitness bank? Can you get a lot of exercise when you're feeling great and when you're not tired and do your weight training or when you're younger and your body is just so like, you know, easy to take care of? And will it help you then later in life? Can you fill your fitness bank? My guest today is Dr. Brian Parr. He's Associate Professor of Exercise and Sports Science at the University of South Carolina in Aiken. So, Dr. Parr, can we fill a fitness bank? Can you do stuff, like, even if you're a little older, can you do stuff one day and it carries over to the next day? Or is this something that you have to take, like your blood pressure medication, every single day? Well, that's a good question, Melanie. I think that people can fill a fitness bank to some extent. And not in the way that you can exercise now so that you don't have to exercise later when you're older. I think of it more as exercising now so you can build up your fitness, not only for the things you want your fitness for now, but for when you get older or when you're sick or when you get injured so that you can get through that period of time where you can't be as active and come out of it maintaining more strength than you would have if you went in uh, being unfit. I've heard people use the joke, I'm beefing up for a major illness, you know, so that that that's what they talk about when they say they're winter fat, you know. But in that case, you're sort of like building up your muscles. You're building up the ability of your heart to work in, God forbid, that you should get sick and can't work out, right? Well, that's exactly right. So, you know, we think of fitness on a day-to-day level. You know, I'm going to exercise today so I'm stronger or I have better endurance for the race I'm training for, or so that I can do more exercise. A lot of people get fit so they can do more fitness, right? Um, But all of that fitness that we're doing that builds up our strength and builds up our endurance and builds up our flexibility helps us when we need it most. And, And I think for a lot of people, when we need it most is someday, like you said, God forbid, we're sick and bedridden for some period of time. What we know is that people's strength, people's endurance, people's bone density even, declines rapidly with bed rest um, from just laying around in bed being lazy or from being bedridden from an illness. So what can we do? How do we do this? Do we, you know, just make sure to run or walk as fast as we can, get as much in? I mean, how do you fill up your fitness bank? Yeah, I think the fitness bank is easier to fill up than it sounds. I think, first of all, the, the goal that people should have is to be active and maintain a high level of fitness for themselves as long as they can throughout their lifespan. I I don't think that this replaces exercise um, as we get older. I do think, though, that by building up strength and by building up endurance, that sticks with us. Um, We know that people who um, undergo cancer treatment, for example, or when someone has a heart attack, the fitter they are going into that treatment or that illness, the better they'll come out the other side of it, and the better they'll be able to do the things that they need to do um, as they're recovering. And that could be occupational tasks, that could be activities of daily living, and that could be participating in exercise or other activities. 
Well, we certainly know that if you're somebody that, you know, does groceries, you do laundry, you're vacuuming, that being a little bit more fit makes those daily tasks just a little bit easier, something you kind of don't think about as you're doing them. But as you say, if, God forbid, you get sick or you can't do things, that's when you really start to notice these kinds of things. So if if somebody is in their 20s, Dr. Parr, they're not necessarily thinking about what's going to happen in their 40s or 50s or beyond. So they're not kind of trying to get themselves to a place where it's going to be easier later on. They just think of it as something that goes on right now. And maybe it makes them look a little bit nicer. What do we? What's the message we want to put out there? Well, I think it's the same as saving money, right? Young people are are pretty bad at saving money because they don't see the real need for it. They're thinking of the now. Um, I, I think that when we when we convince people that they should be exercising, and when they finally do, they get benefits from that, whether it's looking better or feeling better. And what we want is for them to continue those good exercise habits for whatever reason. At some point, it's going to change from looking good in a bikini on the beach in the summer to trying to lose the weight maybe that someone gained after they had a child. Um, But what we know, Melanie, is that the people who are fit and who exercise regularly have a better time losing weight when they need to. They have a better time getting in better shape when they need to. Um, And, you know, I think we all know people who used to be very active and exercise a lot when they were younger, um, go through a period of time maybe in middle age when they start having children and spend less time being active. Um, and then there are some people that can get back into it really quickly, right, that, that are able to, say, train for a, a, a race or something they want to do um, relatively easier than other people. And I think that's the fitness bank, right, that we've saved up not just the good habits, but we've saved up this sort of underlying fitness that we have that we can rely on later when we need it, even if it isn't for some kind of illness or injury. Well, and they do say if you're going to have a procedure, because we all know, Dr. Parr, that being fit, being active can reduce your risk of some things, but it doesn't, you know, insulate you. There are still people who get diabetes that are thin. There are still people that, you know, do great exercise and take care of their knees that need a knee replacement or a hip replacement, or they get arthritis because it runs in their family. We know those things are true, but we also know that if you do have to have your knee replaced, they want you to be as strong as possible in your quads and in your hamstrings, and they want your legs as strong as possible because you can recover faster. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. Um, you know, looking at, at heart disease or cancer, for example, people who are regularly active, who do regular exercise and who are more physically fit are less likely to have a heart attack and they're less likely to be diagnosed with cancer. But people still are, right? People who are fit still have heart attacks and people who exercise regularly are still diagnosed with cancer. But what we find is the people who are fit to begin with can make it through that treatment, through those procedures, and make it through that recovery a lot better than people who aren't. Uh, another example, I was talking recently with a physician who does gastric bypass surgery, and he was saying that the biggest problem they have getting patients prepared for surgery is that they can't achieve the minimum level of fitness they want them to have before they think it's safe to operate. And so that's a, you know, a really extreme example it is. Um, mm-hmm. But but it still shows us that, that even in a condition where someone is so overweight that they're considering bariatric surgery, 
that having some level of underlying fitness is still important to be able to do even that. Well, and, and it's interesting you bring up bariatrics because I was going to myself and, and, you know, we do shows for hospitals all over the country, Dr. Parr. So I have interviewed just hundreds of bariatric surgeons and they all say, we do like you to exercise before surgery. We want you to make sure to, you know, fill that fitness bank a little because that surgery is pretty severe and you can't get a lot of activity right after. Plus the nutrition thing goes up and down the scale and there's, you know, a lot of things that have to be taken care of. However, they do all agree that you want to walk and do as much as you can before. While it may not make a huge difference in your weight, you know, or in your diet, it certainly is going to help you with a procedure such as gastric bypass or any of these kinds of things. So let's just quickly start with cardiovascular. If we were to fill up our bank and and fill up our bag of good things, how often do you think we have to go extra hard than what ACSM recommends the 150 minutes a week of, you know, good cardiovascular brisk walking or something of the like, or do we have to do a little more to have it carry over? Yeah, that's a really good question, right? Do you, do you need to save harder to fill up your fitness bank faster, right? Um, and that's a great question. I don't think that's necessary. I think that achieving some minimal level of fitness is the goal we should have for everybody. And and you and I both know that there's a great many people out there who really aren't meeting even our most basic recommendations for physical activity and exercise. And I think it's for those people to get them up to the minimum is going to provide them with a level of activity and a level of fitness that we know is going to help protect them against some bad health things happening and help them get through those bad health um, crises should they occur. I think for people who are already active and who already exercise and who are fit enough to do more, doing more is almost always a, a good idea. And that, that more could be trying something different. It could be transitioning from walking into jogging some days. It could be transitioning from, you know, doing a, a circuit on the weight machines in the gym to trying some more high-intensity interval-type exercise. Um, but it doesn't have to be going to the extreme. I, I think that, that the idea that people need to push themselves to some extreme level of exercise or extreme level of fitness um, to fill this fitness bank or to get the benefits of exercise, I, I don't think that applies to most people. Okay. So, you know, and as far as things like we want to try and gradually progress, that's just part of the fitness edict is that you'd like to gradually progress if you're lifting weights and you're lifting five pounds and that becomes pretty light and pretty easy. Then you lift eight pounds and you go from there. So as far as things like weight training or yoga, I mean, flexibility is something, Dr. Power, that we've seen. You, you work on your flexibility. If you're somebody who's very, very tight, and you work really hard on your flexibility and you're good and warm and you stretch, you do see that you become a more flexible person and you can move more easily. So for some of these other forms of fitness, like weight training or yoga or flexibility or even memory fitness training, proprioceptive techniques like balance and things like that, can those also carry over? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, you're describing the, the feeling tight and, and stretching and going to yoga. You described me perfectly. Um, and, and my fitness bank in that area probably isn't as full as it needs to be, um, but it should be. And, and certainly working on balance, especially as people get older, think about the problems that 
that people have that lead to injuries as they get older. A lot of it is balance. A lot of it is tripping and falling. A lot of it is lacking flexibility and having to bend over in an awkward way to pick something up that can trigger an injury. So it isn't just the the cardio. It isn't just the weights. It's looking at fitness more holistically, I think, Um, that people can, by having these skills and abilities and being able to, to do all of the things they need to do with relative ease, I think that's the goal, and I think you're right to look beyond the you know traditional exercise in the gym um, to start looking at some of these other very important aspects of fitness. Important it is. It really is, and I do believe you can sort of bank up your fitness and get yourself so that if you had to take a month off of something, you can at least get back to it a little easier. Wrap it up for us, Dr. Parr, with your best advice about fitness banking and really it, like saving money, you know, starting in your 20s and working all the way through and kind of saving up so that if you can't do it, at least your body is a little more efficient and ready to start back up a little bit easier. I think you said that perfectly. You know, starting when you're young, by being physically fit and exercising regularly, you are building up this this bank or this reserve of fitness that you have as you get older to make it easier to stay in shape, to be, make it easier to get back into shape if you need to, and then certainly with increasing age, make it less likely that health problems will arise and make it easier to go through the treatment and the disability and the hospitalization if necessary for those health problems and emerge out the other side being able to maintain occupational activities, activities of daily living, and leisure activities that people like to do. And all of that comes from maintaining good fitness throughout the lifespan. I think so. I think that's great advice, and it's something that we can all heed, because even if you can only do a little, do as much as you can, because it will benefit you later on, and then hopefully you can kind of up the ante a little and build up that fitness bank and really work so that you have something saved, so that your body does have something in in its toolbox to help you fight off whatever might come your way. And of course, that's what we always talk about here on Life's Too Short and Radio MD, and our expert guests on these kinds of segments are provided by the American College of Sports Medicine, the certain gold standard in the world of fitness and scientific research for fitness and health. They are absolutely the gold standard in global recognition, the American College of Sports Medicine. And if you like us, subscribe on iTunes, you know, like and and subscribe. That's what they tell me is I'm not a big iTunes person, but they say if you subscribe, then we can all get involved and be involved in the conversation together. Thanks so much for listening. This is Melanie Cole for Radio MD. Stay well.